Welcome back. You're listening to The Deal. I'm Danny Brown. Thank you for following us. Please subscribe. Leave a comment. Each one counts. Helps our ratings. It helps us bring you better content. I have an unbelievable guest today. A guru of PR, really a legendary icon in the entertainment business, Michael Levine. MichaelLevineMedia.com is where you can find him. Listen to this. He's represented a record-breaking 58 Academy Award winners, 34 Grammy Award winners, 43 New York Times bestsellers. He has written 19 books, uh, five bestsellers, including Broken Windows, Broken Business, He's appeared on countless TV shows, media experts, Good Morning America, Today Show, on and on and on. But he's just a great guy, a total mensch, really knows the business, what makes people tick, what are the threads of success. I mean, this guy represented Michael Jackson, Barbara Streisand, on and on and on, the biggest of the big. He's seen it all. So it's always good to get his take on what makes successful people successful and uh, thrilled to have him. Again, you can find him at michaellevinemedia.com. You could also find him on Facebook. And uh, we're really, really excited to get into this and hope you enjoy this as much as I did. This is Danny Brown. You're listening to The Deal. We have a very special guest here today, my friend Michael Levine, an iconic figure in the world of PR and entertainment. He's represented 34 Grammy Award winners, 43 New York Times bestsellers, on and on. 58 Academy Award winners. Michael, welcome to The Deal. How are you? I am excited to be here, and I'm very proud of you because... I know this isn't your first profession. This is a second profession, yes. and you're doing something very interesting and unique, and that that's very appealing to I, me. So. I appreciate you saying that, but we're thrilled to have you here. I've wanted to get you here, and thank you for your time. We can go on in a lot of different directions because you have so much uh, insight into entertainment, success, celebrity, but why don't we start with telling a little bit about you, where you grew up, and how you ended up in the PR business and in the entertainment business. Well, I, I, I would be happy to, and I think it's very salient to the story I think we're going to be discussing, which is the story of underdogs. That's what I've come to talk to you about, Yeah, the story of underdogs. And so, I, Danny, I was born in New York City. And I was born two and a half miles north of Ground Zero. Hmm. So where those World Trade Centers were and are, two and a half miles north of that is where I was born. And so one of the unique things, perhaps about me, is that I'm one of the few living Americans who has had the privilege and trauma of watching the World Trade Centers be built twice. Hmm. I saw the first show. 
Is that the first round? Wow. Yes, in 1971, uh, it was built for the first time, and I saw it built a second time. And, it, and actually, as we talk about life, it's a great metaphor for about resilience and about Absolutely. America and Americans' uh, resilience. But I was born in New York City, and I was born into a not good home. Uh, I had alcoholism in my family. Okay. And anyone who's ever been raised in a home involving alcoholism knows how traumatic it can be. And sure. essentially, when you're raised in an alcoholic home, you're raising yourself. And so it's a, it's a very uh, erratic, unpredictable, and unpleasant way of beginning a life. But in addition to that, so my mother, my mother was the alcoholic. And my father was a, a very nice man, a gentle man, a good man. But he was, um, he was at times, and even most times, passive and even a bit weak. And he was a good man, but um, the protection that I uh, may have desired or required and that of my sister wasn't as fully present. Now, remember, we're going back several decades so that we didn't know as much about addiction as we do today. Yeah. We didn't know as much about a lot of things. Right. Wasn't and one discussed. of the things we didn't know very much about then that we do today is another uh, problem that I had. I had a very significant disability growing up, in addition to being in a bad home, and that's the disability now known as dyslexia. Sure. And uh, was tested for it in later life. Yale does the great <laughs> test around that, if anyone is interested. And by the way, if you're really interested, this most amazing thing was developed about a year ago. So you can go on Google and you can type in, what does it feel like to have dyslexia? Now let's imagine you're a mother or a father or a girlfriend or a wife or a husband, whoever you are, and a significant person in your life has dyslexia. So now with this tool, you can go on Google, type in, what does it feel like, and you will see. Now, I had a very significant, dyslexia comes in several sizes. Right. <laughs> and uh, so I was tested, and uh, only 16% of people in the world who have dyslexia have it worse than I do. Whoa. So I'm a high ranker. <laughs> I... I, uh, I I had a, a big disadvantage. And the other disadvantage, of course, besides the alcoholic home and the dyslexia, neither of which much known about then. Uh, dyslexia is a reading disability in addition to many other things. But uh, let's just say, Danny, maybe I wasn't as good a student as you were. Let's just say. <laughs> Start with so, that. Start with that. I'm 
So you weren't a great student. Was you struggled a horrible through. Horrible student. You struggled through school. Horrible, terrible. And you know, I think I told you this when we had lunch about two years ago. It was at a dinner party. I, I, I don't excessively drop names when I talk, but there are occasions when there's some value in doing so. And I was at a cocktail party about. Uh, no, I was at a dinner party about two years ago in Beverly Hills, not terribly far from where we're, where we are. And I was, David Geffen was at the dinner party. Yep. And I was at the dinner party and David has dyslexia and I have dyslexia. And David said something interesting to me. Um, he said, uh, you know, Michael, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, we had a different word for dyslexia. And I said, really, David, what was that? And he said, dumb. And David was right. And as it happens, Danny, David's always right. Yeah, he's been right <laughs> a lot. So anyway, I was a terrible student. And um, I, I brought my camera here today. As you know, I carry around my camera from yes. time to time. Yeah. I've and noticed here, that. I'm going to show you my camera because I'm going to tell you why I brought my camera. You already know why I brought my camera. But, And by the way, for a lot of young people who don't know, this is a camera. <laughs> it takes this pictures. This is a camera. It's not a phone. It's a camera. You can't call someone on that? You can't go on the internet? It's a camera. You ever, have you ever seen a camera I doubt it. <laughs> anyway, I conned my way in the last year of high school into being the president of my high school photography class. There you go. Now, you could say, how'd you do that? Or you could say, why did you do that? Let's do the why first. No tests. Cute girls. You're in. <laughs> That's it. Danny, <laughs> I just look stupid. I just look stupid. So anyway, I've kept this hobby all these years. And um, I bring the camera around and I take, take some pictures shots from time to time. I just took a picture of you in black and white. Which oh, that's I'll cool. The audience at a later date. Anyway, so now I'm 17 years old and I leave my house. I leave the house at 17. Yeah. And at this point in the story, I have no money and no job and no education and no parenting. I'm scared and I'm skinny and I've got dyslexia. Sounds like a formula for massive success. Let's just say maybe I didn't get the best cards. Right. Let's say. But isn't life interesting isn't life interesting and danny one of the things i've come here to talk to you about and tell your extraordinarily interesting and interested audience is that the quality of your life both personally and professionally will be determined in large part by your ability to learn how to play your cards well. And so some of us get bad cards. 
Sure. And we learn to play them well. And some of us get good cards and we don't play them so well. And then some of us get medium cards and play a medium. Mm -hmm. How you play your cards will determine in great, to a great degree, where you end up on the, in this fragile, ever-changing world. And um, so I left at 17. And with a whole bunch of bad cards, uh, and I had two interests all my life growing up. One is politics. When I was a young person, I was interested in two things. I was interested in politics, and I was also interested in the entertainment industry. And so at 17, I had to make a decision in which direction maybe I should head. And uh, maybe I did what all inarticulate um, young men would do at that point, which is come to conclude that Washington was just Hollywood for ugly folks. <laughs> and I came out here so I could see the pretty people. Yeah. And did you find them? I did. I did. I did. You know, by the way, that's another interesting point, Danny. We find in life very often that which we are, that which we most look for, believe we deserve. It's kind of an interesting thing there, too. And um, anyway, See, what happened to me uh, through a set of circumstances, I met a friend who introduced me to someone and this particular person was a publicist at Paramount and I didn't know what a publicist did so I was fascinated but I've always had this curiosity about life probably because I'm not very bright and I've had to rely on observation I'm maybe a little more curious than average and so I asked this person what she did at Paramount Pictures. She said she was a publicist. And then I said, what does a publicist do? Because I didn't know. Yeah. And she said, what does a publicist do? And I said, yeah, what do you do all day? And she said, what do I do all day? I said, yeah, that's uh, the question I asked you. <laughs> and she paused for a minute and she said, well... I guess I bullshit on the phone all day. <laughs> and I said, I can do that. <laughs> and do it well. Apparently. I didn't say I could do it well. I said I could do it. Yeah. And that's how it all, all started. began. <laughs> and uh, there were problems along the way. Number one, I was started a PR firm and I didn't know what one was. I right. didn't know there were problems. Now. Danny, we know each other a bit. You don't know, we're getting to know each other. And you're also a very curious person. And I've told you something, and I say this when I speak publicly, and usually gets a laugh. Um, 
but only only the truth is funny. And what I tell audiences, and I'm telling you, and I'm telling people listening to you, is that I'm not very bright. I'm not very bright. But I am above average at watching what bright people do. And, you want to know another thing? I'm pretty damn good at watching what dumb fucks do. Yeah. Learn from people's mistakes. You took the bell, son. I didn't take the bell. You took the bell. <laughs> so, if I am above average at watching what smart people do and above average at watching what dopes do, I kind of figured out early on Maybe, maybe doing what the, don't, not doing what the dopes do <laughs> and doing what the bright folks do might work out. Sure. Isn't that something? That's a good model. So there we are. So that's the story. And it began here. I moved here to start a new life and have a new canvas. I was so scared that I think for the first six weeks, I barely ate because my stomach was in such a knot. But I did do something I think interesting, and I would encourage you to think about it in your life in your own way. Here's what, what I chose to do. When I came, now remember, I 22. I arrive on September 16, 1977. 22. Did I mention that I that I had no job, no education, no parenting, no money, that I was scared, skinny, and I had dyslexia. Did I mention that? Yeah, I think you mentioned that. We got that much. Yeah. What I decided to do, and I don't know why I decided to do it, but it turned out to be very important to the story, is I decided to burn the boats. Ah. I decided to burn the boats. And so I did not come to Los Angeles with the hope of seeing how it worked out. I'll come, I'll give it a month, six months, a year. We'll see how it works out. If it works out, I'll stay. If it doesn't work out, I'll go back. Right, that wasn't the mindset. Mm -hmm. Your mindset was, I have to make it work. There is no option. It was the burn the boats logic, and it incorporated in this way. So, within one week of me being here, I had a Los Angeles library card within a week. Symbols are important things, friends. Pay attention. Symbols are important things. Within a month, I had a California driver's license. I burned the boats. And that proved important in the story. And maybe in thinking about life and people's own journeys and their own tentativeness and their own commitments, um, maybe there's, there's something of value for people sure. to consider. At least I hope so. Yeah. So I started a PR firm and, um, you know, the ladders to success 
are um, pretty, uh, they haven't changed much. Maybe in certain ways more difficult, perhaps. I don't know. I know young millennials really do have a hard time figuring out the, the, the topography. But what I observed was this. I, I saw it kind of like a four-step ladder or stairs. And I don't know quite how, I don't know if I had the words for it at the time, but it seemed pretty reasonable. Uh, step one was work for free. See, very yeah. people out there complaining to you or to me or their mother or their daughter or their dog or their whatever, I can't find a job, I can't find a job. Son, I'll find you a goddamn job in an hour. Give me an hour, I'll find you a job. I'll even find you the job you want in an hour. You're not going to get paid for the right, first month, work. but you'll have a job. Ugh. Yeah. See, very few people can turn down a work for free. See? So step one is work for free, but it's not free. See, you're working for an alternative currency right? if you have a brain. Now, if you're a dumb fuck and you like complaining a lot and you've allowed victimhood to envelop you, then you think you're getting screwed. Right. Right? That's so Particularly true. if you've graduated from college and mommy and daddy have convinced you that college is all you need, which is bullshit. Right. It's useless in at this today. Point. Yeah. Well, no, it's not useless. It's not useless, but it's not getting college you what today you used to get. is what high school was 40 years ago. It's a minimum. Yeah. Right? Yeah. College today a graduating a four-year degree in college is equivalent to 40 years ago graduating from high school. Right? Yeah. It's where we start the journey. It's not, but poor people, college graduates, who have had to pay exorbitant yeah. fees and parents have paid, have been led to believe that on the day of their graduation, That's life it. is set. Your life is made. And it is a lie. It is, it a, is lie. a colossal <laughs> lie. No wonder they're so screwed up. They're following a, 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 a they're, they're, and they've been taught this by their most trusted advisors, their sure, parents, their, parents their, family. their teachers, their principals, you know? And by the way, it's not that your parents lied to you. They did lie to you, but they didn't intentionally lie to you. It was true 40 years ago. Right. Right? <laughs> They're just playing with an old map. It's an old game yeah, yeah. Old playbook. Exactly. <laughs> it used to be true, yeah. and they want to believe it's true, but it's not true. So I came out here. I started a PR firm. And the steps began. Work for free. You don't have to do it long. Because if you do it well and you create an indispensability. See, if, if Joe or Harry or Sally or Jose is working for me for free for a month or two, 
and they work tirelessly, come in early, stay late, overproduce. Then at the end of three months, if Jose or Sally or Greta or Joe come up to me and say, Mr. Levine, I've really enjoyed learning from you and being here, but I'm going to leave. It's time to go. If they're really indispensable to me, what am I going to say? No! No! Yeah, keep them. Now, I'll find a place for We you. go from step one. What's step one? Free. Don't have to do it long. Then you move to step two. That's called below market. Now, see, in the free step, you're making $0 an hour, and your friends, your jackass friends, are making 12. They're working at a retail store with a uniform and a name tag. They get 12, you get zero. They even, if they're at Starbucks, they may get free coffee. See? So now, at step one, who's winning? Them? They are. Yeah. But the, but the smart person says, it won't take long. Right. It won't take long. But all their friends are making fun of them. But the smart one says, it's not going to take long. And then they graduate to step two. Step two is below market. The friends are still at the uniform and name tag deal. They're getting 12 an hour. And under market, you're getting six. Now, you're working for six. They're getting 12. They say, what's wrong with you? How could you work for such a low wage? Don't you know what you're worth? And what does the smart person say? It won't take long. It won't take long. <laughs> See? So then we get to step three. Now, step three is you're working for market. See, they're making 12. You're making 12. Then your friends say, well, finally you got with the program. Yeah. Finally. And you say, oh, son, it won't take long. It won't take long. And then step four is they're making 12 and you're making 200. Right. See? Yeah. Which brings me to something I've come to tell your audience. And I would like to ask your audience to write it down. I'm going to repeat it twice. I'd like you to write it down. You to write it down. Everyone's writing Audience it down. Audience, write it down. I don't know if they Listen have to me. There's going to be a quiz. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hit me. Profits are better than wages. Maybe you didn't hear me. Profits are better than... Huh? Then wages. What did I say? Danny. Profits are better than wages. Get it through your head. And friends, the worst kind of wages, if you want to be broke and ex if you want to be broke and tired, let me tell you how to do it. Think like a victim 
and get paid by the hour. See, if you want to get broke, you said to me, Michael, teach me. Come on, teach me. How do I get broke and tired? I want to learn. I'll teach you in a second. First of all, think like a victim. See, anybody that anything that happens, you just say it's their fault, not mine. Everybody's screwing me over. Think like a victim and work for the hourly wage. <laughs> Love it. Don't do that unless you want to be tired and broke. If you want to be prosperous, work remember, for yourself. Prop, not necessarily. You're always working for yourself. Yeah. Profits are better than wages. See, now, was that taught to you in school? No, of course no. not. No. You paid all that money. Here's what you paid to learn in school. Ready? Now, you went to school. Think about this, friends. You go to school from 18 to 22. And by the way, I advocate going to school, right? So now you're going to school, paying a lot of money to go to a college from 18 to 22. Very, very, very impressionable years. Sure. 18 to 22, right? And your college teaches you a bunch of dumb stuff. They teach you some good stuff too, but here's a dumb thing they teach you. Ready? Every college in America teaches you this, and you pay a lot of money to learn this. Ready? Christmas is a month. <laughs> That's right. Now, it, you're 22 years old. You come out of college, and what do you what do you believe? I have a month off. Exactly. <laughs> and you go in to see your first boss, and you say what? When's the month off for Christmas? Yeah. And they say, Danny, who sold you on that plan? Right. Well, at college, we got to. Yeah. Right. You get soft. <laughs> Spring break, summer break, winter break. Christmas is a day. <laughs> See, it's not a month. And you paid for that. How's that? <laughs> That's a good point. Ain't that something? That is a good point. So it's the four steps. I love you gotta it. be willing to think the long game. You gotta be willing to take the pressure from people who are going to think of you as a bit odd. And um, and so it is, and so it goes. So uh, yeah. anyway, so you've worked with some of the biggest, most successful celebrities of all time, the Michael Jacksons, the Barbara Streitzans, many presidents. So you've seen it up close and personal. If you were to say, what are some common threads of success at an, or elite performance? I mean, obviously you're talking a lot about work ethic and hustle, but what, what are some things that you've seen through your years that is a common thread between the world's most successful. Danny, it's a really important question because we have to face the brutal facts in this way. Either super successful people arrived at their super success because they were lucky. It's one option, right? They were just in the right place at the right time. That's one possibility. Yeah, that could happen. Another possibility is they weren't lucky that they possess certain qualities that gave them the fuel, 
the gasoline to to take them to their promised land, to where destiny was calling. And I was very motivated by, I was obsessed with this question. What is it? What is it? Yeah. I was obsessed with it. Now, why was I obsessed with this question? Well, because I didn't get good cards. If there was not a way a mindset, a way of getting successful. If all success was just being born into luck, then I'm fucked. Right. See? <laughs> I got bad cards. Yeah. So I was really motivated by the question, what is it and can it be taken, learned? appropriated, stolen, observed. So I went out on a journey for 35 years to try to autopsy what is it about super successful people that's present 100 times out of 100 and is a natural law like gravity. So gravity is an interesting thing in that even if you don't, gravity works whether you believe in it or not. You can say, I don't believe in gravity, and gravity doesn't give a fuck what you believe. Yeah, you step it off works. this building, good right. luck. Yeah. If you jump off the Empire State Building mm -hmm. and say, I don't believe in gravity, yeah. gravity doesn't much care. Yeah. Okay. It's a natural law. So I came, and initially when I asked the question, what is it that super successful people know that mere mortals like myself and most people don't know it didn't appear to be anything when i said what is it that oprah winfrey and bill clinton have in common other than they have a lot of money didn't appear like there was anything what is it that uh you know michael jordan and martin luther king had in common other than they had a lot of money or notoriety or something and at first, the answer appeared to be there was no common quality, hmm. which is an answer that I didn't like. Why didn't I like the answer? Because it didn't serve me. It means I'm screwed. But I stuck with the question over and over again, not for a day or a week or a month or a year, but for several years in a compulsive, obsessive way. Hmm. And then I did come to conclude over time, very slowly at first, I just saw, I was as if I was on a in a desert, and finally at the very end of the desert, and I mean so far away that you couldn't tell if it was a mirage. I thought I saw a little bit of green, a little sprout of green. And I walked in that direction for a long time and then came to conclude that there are qualities, three qualities present in all super successful people, a hundred times out of a hundred. And they're present whether the person you venerate uh, is alive or dead. 
they're present in a natural law sense. And so I go around the country uh, talking sometimes about what these qualities are because people want to know what are the qualities. And I tried to do it in a memorable way. So I refer to the qualities as three magic O's. O's? O's. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, The first O that I came up with, which is present 100 times out of 100, is obsession. All super successful people had something more than mere ambition. We all know people who are ambitious that can't find their way out of a fucking burning building. (laughs) Obsession is something deeper, more intense, more primal. It is a burning, maniacal rage as if your life depended on it. Obsession is a burning, maniacal rage as if your life depended on it. All super successful people had a quality present that I refer to as obsession. The second is optimism. But this was a very uh, unusual version of optimism. Let me first tell you what kind of optimism it was not. It was not naive optimism. It wasn't this kind of Mr. Rogers, well, if I'm a good person, good things will happen to me. Not really. Good people get cancer, jackass. What's wrong with you? Right? It was a different kind of optimism. It It was paradoxical. And by the way, if you're listening to this right now and you don't feel you have a, a pretty good working definition of the term paradox, may I make a suggestion to you? Look it up. In the next 24 hours, look it up. Because life is rich, saturated with paradox. And this optimism that our super successful friends had was paradoxical. It was an optimism born, created, born, created, after a militant need to face the brutal facts. Our super successful friends had an optimism that was not naive, but in fact born or created after a militant need to face the brutal facts. And here, dear friends, were the two brutal facts that our super successful friends came to discover when they peered into the face of destiny. Number one, the game is not easy. Number two, The game is not fair. (laughs) However, though the game is not easy, and though the game is not fair, with enough burning maniacal rage or focus, 
The goddamn game is winnable, though not easy and though not fair. Isn't that something? Yes. How do you like that? How do you like that? The third O was obligation. Our super successful friends all had a, a intense relationship with keeping their word principally to themselves. When they said they would do something Tuesday at 10 a.m., it didn't mean Wednesday at 11.15. They had an intense commitment to their word principally to themselves. Their word was their bond principally to themselves. They made goals that were specific, discernible, often shared, virtually always written, often shared. Here's what they didn't do, Danny. They didn't say, next year I'm going to lose some weight. They didn't do that. (laughs) They didn't do that. Here's what they did say. Eight pounds, April 4th. Almost always written, often shared. The goals were measurable, discernible, written and shared. A reverence for time a reverence for time. I'm going to tell you a secret about me. You've never been to my house. I'm going to tell you a secret about my house. About me. You may find it odd. It, maybe it is odd. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I have a reverence for time. In every room in my house, I have a clock. Okay, I guess that's not that odd, right? Every room. Every room like the bathroom? Every room. Huh, okay. A little odd, maybe? Sure. (laughs) In every room in which I have a clock, I have a timer. Really? You have a timer in every room? Maybe you didn't hear me. I have a timer in every room. In the bathroom? In the bathroom. Why is that? Well, because I have a reverence for time. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And think about it. Think about it. Think about people you know. By the way, let's play a game. I'll play a game with you. And have all your listeners play. Okay? Here's the game. You ready? We're playing I game. want you, everyone listening, pay attention. Don't make me raise my voice, son. I want you to think of two people you know in your life. I don't care who you choose. I don't know them. Two people you know in your life. They're good people. They're nice people. 
but they're underachieving. Now, they're not in prison. They're not dead. They're not, you know, in rehab, but they're underachieving. They have a greater potential mm -hmm. than they have achieved. Yes? Yes. You got it? Got so it. they're nice people. They're handsome or kind or, you know, they pet their dog or whatever their story is, right? But they're just underachieving. Now, again, they're getting by. They're not homeless, but they're underachieving. You got it? Get two people in your head. And by the way, it could be anyone you like. Gay, straight, black, white, young, old. I don't give a fuck. Just pick two yeah, people. Get them, in your Get them in your head. You got it? All right. Now, I'd like to tell you four things about your two underachieving friends. Let's see how I do. You ready? I'm going to clean up my language so I won't do, I won't be. Number one, they have a screwed up relationship. I usually use a harder term, but we'll, we'll stick with that. They have a screwed up relationship with reality. Everything that happens it's never their fault. It's always, they have a screwed up relationship with reality. Number two, they have a screwed up relationship with responsibility. It's never their fault. It's always somebody else's. Somebody else is always doing something to them. Number three, they have a screwed up relationship with time. They're always running behind the eight ball. They're always, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, there's so much traffic, oh my God. They like saying, oh my God, a lot. Particularly <laughs> young women. <laughs> OMG. OMG, so much traffic. Dude, let me help you. There's traffic in LA. I don't know if you noticed this. You yeah. may never have figured it out. They have a screwed up relationship with time and they have a screwed up relationship with communications. You call them. They never answer. They don't return calls. Their cell phone is broken. Their ring. Oh my God. Oh my God. My ringer. Oh my God. My battery. Oh my God. Oh, oh my, my God. I, I can't get cell service. Darling, you don't get cell service in your house? No, I don't get a. Why don't you get a landline? <laughs> well, I, what, 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 honey, it's $30. It's 30 sodas. You can have a landline. Well, I, I'm just... <laughs> now, I gave you four qualities about your two friends. And people listening, I don't know who you're talking about. How'd I do? Pretty good. Yeah, isn't that something? Yeah. Isn't that something consistency <laughs> isn't that something uh, let's uh 
give you an opportunity, uh, Danny, on your fine show to close in any way you want with questions, comments, suggestions, alternative speeches. I'm sure yeah. there are things you're different with. Well, I'd be curious to, uh, God, you have so many different things to say, but who, what was your first big client where you felt this is my big break? Is there a specific person no. or people? Well, uh, l listen in hindsight. I was 29 years old and I had a PR firm and it was going along pretty well. And then I got an opportunity brought on by a simple twist of fate. In the words of Bob Dylan, brought on by a simple twist of fate. I was introduced at age 29 to Charlton Heston, the biggest movie star in the world in 1983. <laughs> and I'm introduced to him. And I meet him at the Beverly Hills Hotel and Charlton Heston was so imposing. If you think about Mount Rushmore, that was Charlton Heston, <laughs> imposing. And I sat at the Beverly Hills Hotel. I couldn't believe it. I'm shaking. And I say, uh, I talk for about 10 minutes, which is pretty good for an inarticulate 29-year-old. And I'm talking as fast as I can. And finally, Moses spoke. And Mr. Heston said, in his voice. He looked at me and he said, Mr. Levine, you're obviously a very bright young man, but I fail to see how you could make me any more famous. And I paused, and again, I don't know why I said this. Maybe, as Bob Dylan suggested, brought on by a simple twist of fate. I looked at him, and I said, Mr. Heston, I can't make you any more famous. But what I can do is make you more relevant. I got Charlton Heston as a client. One year later, I had him host Saturday Night Live. Now, when I called him up and said, Mr. Heston, I always called him Mr. Heston. That was a big breakthrough client, yeah. right? Now I got Charlton Heston. And people in town are saying, how the hell did that skinny kid, that dopey skinny kid get Charlton Heston? And I called him up. I said, Mr. Heston, I've got some great news. What is it, Michael? I said, I've just booked you to host Saturday Night Live. And he paused and he said, in his deep baritone voice, Michael, what's Saturday Night Live? Oh, no. And I told him. <laughs> That's a good story. It's all true. That's amazing. Here's why it's a good story. Because it's true. So what's your take now on the social media celebrity culture that we're in? I mean, entertainment well, celebrity has changed so much. Yeah, I, listen, I, I, I am privately, this gets me 
great popularity with people over 40 and tremendous unpopularity with people under 30. But Danny, I'm going to say what you feel and everyone over a certain age feels. I am deeply, deeply concerned about uh, our society, but I'm deeply concerned about millennials. Um, now, that said, there are good ones, and I have several working for me. Yeah. I, I, I humorously tell you when I'm privately with you, the only people who hate millennials worse than me are good millennials. Isn't that interesting? I mean it. I hate millennials. Giving them a bad rap. I hate millennials. I will match my hatred of millennials against anyone. Except good millennials. Isn't that interesting? So what do you hate about them? Entitlement? It's not that I lack hate. Of... It's what, it's, it's, I'm worried. Yeah. They are so screwed up. And by the way, the blame is not theirs. The blame is their parents, parents teachers, yeah. and principals. The blame is their teachers principals and parents pa parents first right they have been so overprotected that they have they're so screwed up that they don't know which way to turn i don't hate them at all i i know I, I love them actually i love them enough to tell them you're gonna get this is a bad plan yeah a bad plan yeah no that's a, they're good they're smart academically but sure. they're dopey with life skills, and they've got to that's... learn how to take this new world. And you know they're entitled because their parents have taught them to right. be entitled. They're they're uh, they're soft because they haven't been given, made to work. So that's a real deep societal concern. Yeah. And they can turn it around, but it's not going to be easy. And it can't be done on a 40-hour week. See, you do not, do not listen to me. You do not win the game Monday through Friday. You don't win it Monday through Friday. You play it Monday through Friday. Mr. Levine, you don't win it Monday through Friday? No. You play it Monday through Friday. Well, when the hell do you win it? You win it on nights and weekends if you're willing to give up watching 56 yeah. uh, episodes of Park and Rec, which most of you aren't. <laughs> See? Yeah, it's, it's, it yeah. comes down to that. You can win the game, which sure. is neither easy or fair, but you have to devote some nights and weekends. Yeah which means taking mega doses of vitamin N. What's vitamin N? No. No. Well, wait a second. Next week's Burning Man. No. no. <laughs> well, wait, 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 wait. Two Look weeks. We're going to Coachella. Coachella? No. No. Well, wait, 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 wait. How about Comic-Con? I got a great outfit. No. Put in the work. You get mega doses of vitamin N. In a way, I think that because of that, there is such opportunity for the ones there that will hustle. Unbelievable opportunity. 
you, because most people are asleep at the switch. Something. Listen, I, I tell them all the time. I said, come here. You're going to do fine. They say, I am? Yeah. And I've represented 58 Academy Award winners. I look at them, I say, you're going to do fine. I am? How do you know? <laughs> well, uh, I know because your competition's stupid and lazy. You're going to win. If you're not stupid and lazy, you're going to win. You yeah. don't have to do much to win. It's that simple, huh? <laughs> Nothing simple. That. Wait, something, Danny, simple can be but simple easy. but not easy. Correct, yes. Right? Something I, I can be don't. simple but not easy. Yeah. And you got to stop doing dopey stuff. I know many bright young people, 30 years old. Now, by the way, we didn't used to call a 30-year-old young. Today we do. Yeah. Right? I know a 30, I've met, and you have too. We all have. 28, 30, 31, started a business, has a business, has a side hustle. I'll meet them. I'll talk to them. They're interesting. They're, they get, they're a graphic artist. They got this. They got that. They're doing that. Side hustle. I'll say, hey, you know, that sounds pretty good. I might, I might need you. I might be interested. Give me your card. What? I said, son, give me your card. I want to, I want to, I don't have a card. Son, let me see if I understand this. You own a business. You're 30 years old, and you thought it would be a good plan not to have a card. Well, I could text you. Son, son, you ever hear of Vistaprint? It's $9.99. It's a card. Well, nobody I know has a card. Nobody you know has a job, son. Come on. You don't need a card if you don't have a job. No. No, no card, no job. See? So Isn't I'd say your advice some... would be get a card. Don't do dumb stuff. Start looking Start at the that. world. Start with that. Start looking at the world and watch who people who you admire and have something you want or be in some place. And re by the way, if you're interested in technology, let's say you're interested in technology. A lot of people, a lot of young people yeah. are. Yeah. Well, tell me about the autobiography. Tell me about the biography you read about Steve Jobs. Oh. You didn't read that book? Oh, you don't have a library card? Oh, that wasn't important enough to you? But you watched all the season two of Parks and Rec. That you did. You had time for that, right? But no, you're interested in technology. You didn't read a biography on Steve Jobs. You may not even know who he is. I hope you do. But that... Isn't that interesting? See, I, people come to me, young people come for job interviews. I interview them. And they will, sometimes about half of them, maybe a quarter of them, will forget to bring their resume. Right? About three quarters will bring their resume. About one, one quarter, say, I forgot it. I, had, I thought you had it. I sent it to you. Uh, I didn't bring it with me. It's in my car. I thought you had it. Mm -hmm. And I said, son, or 
young lady, let me ask you a question. May I? Sure. You forgot your resume? Yeah, I did. Cool. Did you forget your phone? Oh, no, I got my phone right here. Oh, so you didn't forget your phone. <laughs> no, I didn't forget my phone. Uh, let me ask you another question. May I ask you another question? Did you ever forget your phone? No, I don't forget my phone. So your phone's important to you, but your resume's not. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. So there's been a lot of lessons just hearing you talk, a lot of about work ethic, a lot about keeping it simple, but things aren't easy. If you were just, on, as we end here, to say, like, what, what would you tell your, a younger Michael Levine? What are some of the important lessons that you've learned or a younger up-and-coming person? I think the value of mentorship is underrated. I think, by the way, most good mentors are met people who don't have an agenda with you. They're willing to tell you, that's dopey. Don't do that. Your father and your mother and your boyfriend and your girlfriend and your cousin all have an agenda with you. They want to get along with you at Thanksgiving. They're not willing to say things that need to be said. Mm -hmm. Right? The hard truths. Yeah. The criticism, if need be. And so mentorship. Yeah. That's I, you know, I, I I, I just think that we got to talk straight. You know, a lot of things I admire about uh, President Obama. You know, he talked well to African-American community about many things. The unfairness, maybe, of certain police shootings and all of those things. Those are valuable. But he failed in a couple of areas to do what he could have done so well and so easily. When he's telling his brothers and sisters how the world is unfair, which it is, it is, it's unfair, right? He could have so easily said, Son, I love you. Daughter, I love you. Sister, I love you. Son, I love you. Now pull your damn pants up. Son, I love you. And you're a good kid. And I love you. Now I'm the President of the United States. And I'm telling you right to your face, I love you and you're a good kid. But son, if you dress like a thug, people are going to think you're a thug. Now, that may not be fair. Probably isn't. But it's true. Son, come here. I love you. You can do better than that. We can do better than that. Come on. Let's do it together. Now, look, you got a symbol. I'm in the damn White House. Let's do it together. I'll do it with you, but I won't do it for you. And I'll tell you what, I'll do it with you. You go first. See, I won't go first, but I'll do it with you. That's the kind of thing we need. And we got to be, 
not afraid to say this without being condemned. Well, you're a racist. You're, racist. you're a good. You're a, you're a hater. You're yeah. no. Well, that's the world of political no, correctness we're in. No, no. I want you to stop. I want you to have the greatest opportunity. Sure. And knock over, knock it over, knock yeah. it over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget That's, the pretense. Just yeah. get to the the meat and potatoes, and yeah, here's real information Come to help on, you flourish. Let's do it. And and son, if you if if so if if somebody calls you, you own a business. Somebody calls you, right? You don't pick up your phone because nobody picks up their phone. All right. Don't email them back. Call them back. See, they called you. Don't shoot them one. See, if if Mr. Smith calls you up and says, hello, my name is Mr. Smith. I, I heard you have a business. I'd like to chat with you a little bit, understand a little bit about what you're doing and how you're doing it. I want to think you I hear you're quite talented I really would like to maybe work with you would you give me a call back so we can discuss uh, how you work and how we might work together don't shoot them one <laughs> don't you and I know why you shoot them one first of all it's societally condoned and second it's convenient for you so you can do it right on your phone when you're at the ball game and you can send it to them and it's easy. Sure. But I don't care what's convenient for you. What's convenient for the person you're trying to sell something to? That's what Jeff Bezos teaches you, right? If somebody calls you, you call them back. If somebody writes you, you write them back. And after you work with somebody, if you want to work with them again, sending them a thank you note, could be helpful. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. How many times have you had carpets cleaned in your house? Well, I've had them cleaned a bunch. Has the carpet company ever sent you a thank you note? No. Do you ever hear from the carpet company? Only when they want something. See, that's not a good plan. I got a better plan. Well, that's basics, business 101, 101. service 101. Well, so anyway, I hope it was of some value and help. I know there's a lot to digest. There and is. And I know most, that there are people definitely. who are not going to agree with everything, but I ask you to take the ideas seriously and think about them, contemplate them, because Absolutely. Uh, I hope they're of some value. You're dropping science, you're dropping knowledge. Michael Levine, you have a lot to say and a lot to offer. And yeah, we're going to have to rewind this back and listen to it a few times and digest and dissect. But thank you for spending time with us. And I look forward to hanging out with you soon. And keep up the good work, Michael. I, I really <laughs> admire what you're doing with the deal. And I think that it has a great potential. And what, I love what, let me tell you what, one of the things I love what you're doing with the deal. Tell me. I like to hear I it. I love that you're doing it. I love that you're doing it on podcasts. That's a current format. I love that you're surrounding yourself with smart young folks, see, because they know more about this deal than I, see? Yep, absolutely. I, I'm going to surround myself with them, too, if they'll let me.
because they know more. See, I know more about PR than they do, but they know more about this deal than it. So yeah. you surround yourself with young people, and then you're doing it on the video. So I think you're doing a lot of smart, interesting things. And Appreciate it. Real value to this a year out, five years out. You know, Bill Gates said something very interesting, so brilliant. He said, human beings inevitably overvalue what they think they can accomplish in a year. Every, every jackass thinks that in the first year they're going to hit a home run. Right? <laughs> Strike it rich, year right. one. Yeah. Bill Gates says that human beings inevitably overvalue what they think they can accomplish in a year. Sure. But they undervalue what they can really accomplish in 10 years. In 10 years, right. Isn't that something? Yeah. Words of wisdom. Let's right. end on that. Thank you for coming by. Thank you. Catch up with you soon. It was right. awesome having you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Michael Levine, for blessing us with your wisdom, your humor, your insight. Again, you can find Michael at michaellevinemedia.com. You can find us at thedealpod.com. We now have a new URL, thedealpod.com, or anytime social media on the Instagram, at dannybrownla. Thanks again for listening. We're really excited to uh, wrap up this first season and launch a second season. We've got a huge following. We've got award. We won an award for the best business podcast in LA. And we really appreciate if you could just subscribe, let your associates and friends know, leave a comment, five star. Each one really helps. So we appreciate it. And I'm excited to bring you more content in the new year and keep up the good work, fellas. Thank you, Lee, Ray, Sarah. Let's get down out. Out.